Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Go with me, if you will, to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And uh, let's see what the Lord wants to speak today. John chapter 3 and verse 1. It's an interesting conversation here in John chapter 3. And, um, you know, we all know John 3 what? What's the verse we know? 16. But do you know about the conversation? The context? Do you know who he's even, you know, if I said, who said for God so loved the world that he gave? Who said that? Well, Jesus. Jesus said that. Who's he talking to? Uh... He's talking to a man named Nicodemus. He's talking to a Pharisee. He's talking to a religious ruler. And, um, and so this conversation's interesting. I'm going to pick up at the very beginning here in verse 1. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night. It's interesting. He came to him. He didn't want to be seen. He didn't want to come during the day. He wasn't, you know, this wasn't a very popular thing for his group, the Pharisees, to be approaching and having conversations with Jesus, especially with what he's about to say, because they were mostly opposed to what Jesus uh, had to do, had to say, what his ministry and his mission was all about. So this, this individual, you know, works up the little bit of courage and boldness that he, can, that he can formulate and comes to him at night and says, Rabbi, watch this, we know that you are a teacher, come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. I think we have that up there in in the New Living. I want to read it to you from the New Living. It says, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee after dark one evening. He came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you To teach us, your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. It's amazing that they saw something about his life, and he called him teacher, so that we recognize that Jesus was also communicating or sharing something uh, in line with uh, uh, Nicodemus' response. And notice that even for someone that was opposed to Jesus' ministry, they still could not deny the works of his ministry. See, the world may be opposed to what you bring, but they can't deny what you bring. They, they might not like it. The, the Bible even tells us, we saw last week, uh, that you know Jesus promised us, they hated me long before they hated you, and they're going to hate you because they hated me. But they can't deny what you're doing. They may question it, but they can't deny it. Amen? And not only that, but it reflected to where Jesus came from. It reflected to to what he was bringing. It reflected who he came from. We know that you must come from God, for no one can do these signs. These miracles, these, these miraculous signs are evidence that what? God is with you. Something about my life that says I can't do this on my own. Something about my life says that I can't produce this. They didn't ask, 
you know, he, he's not stating, you know, where'd you get this ability or, you know, tell me how to get that. Uh, he's making a statement. He's saying, we recognize that God is with you. I recognize that God is with you. Now watch Jesus's response. Jesus's response. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, the New King James says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Interesting direction that Jesus goes here, because first off, Nicodemus didn't ask to see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was making a statement that was not a question. You know, you, you would think that that statement would follow a question. How can I see the kingdom of God? But Nicodemus merely makes a statement in recognizing the power and the authority uh, behind not only Jesus's miracles, signs, and wonders, but also his words and his preaching and his teaching. We've, we've seen that before where uh, they, they marveled at the authority with which he spoke. They marveled that even when he taught that it was spoken as one with authority, not as the scribes and the teachers as they had regularly heard. So he's recognizing or seeing evidence in Jesus's life. And then Jesus makes this statement, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, this term born again, this is the only time in the entire Bible that you see this term born again. And you can make this statement, Jesus never preached about being born again. He never preached about it. He never, once on the side of a mountain with multitudes of people standing around, said, talked about being born again. He never once uh, uh, encouraged people, if you want to be saved, you need to be born again. He never once said, I've come to this earth so uh, that I can die on the cross for your sins so you can be born again and what? Go to heaven. And typically, when we hear that term, the churches run wild and the churches run crazy with the term born again. But I want you to see something here. He doesn't say that being born again is the goal. Now look at it. He says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. The being born again actually pointed to the kingdom of God. We've made born again the goal. Jesus did not say, now, Nicodemus, if you died tonight, do you know where you would go? <laughs> he didn't say that. He said, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. There was a different end goal that Jesus was trying to get Nicodemus to. Now, I'm not diminishing or denouncing or, uh, you know, diffusing being born again. We must be Born again. He's making that very strongly to, to uh, making that effort to show that to Nicodemus here very strongly. But he's showing him that born again gets you access to something else. Born again, therefore, isn't the end, it's the beginning. Born again, right? That's why they call it 
born, right? You, when something's born, you usually think of the beginning of something, not the end of something. So he's saying you must be born again unless you're born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't, you, you can't even see or experience or allow that's, what, that's all that, when he says see, we're not talking about physically see. He's talking about experiencing it. He's talking about allowing it. So what, is, what does Jesus mean when he says this statement, see the kingdom of God? So well, here's a few ways we can put it. Uh, to allow God's way of doing things to be made manifest in my life. To allow God's way of doing things to be manifest in my life. That's one way you could say, see the kingdom of God. To actually allow God's way of doing things to permeate my life and be evidenced in my life. Remember, Nicodemus is approaching Jesus based upon the words that he speaks and the miraculous signs that he sees in his ministry. He's not asking for a way of salvation. He's not saying, how do I get to heaven? He's not, he's not saying, you know, uh, what's repentance talk about? He's talking about the, the, the things that he's seeing done in Jesus's life. He's speaking to those things. And then Jesus's response is, unless you're born again, you cannot allow God's way of doing things. Could we say that Jesus allowed God's way of doing things to happen in his ministry. Could we say that? That's, that's what a miracle is. You know that God doesn't know what a miracle is. Miracles are normal to him. What we call a sign and a wonder is just a way of life to God. That's just normal to him. We call it miraculous. Jesus is like, dude, this is just how it works in the kingdom of God. This is my way of doing things. Healing is my way of doing things. Restoration is my way of doing things. Forgiveness is my way of doing things. And when you would pick up a stone and want to kill somebody for adultery, I've come that they have, may have life and life more abundantly. That's just simply my father's way of doing things. So we could say that. Uh, we could put it this way, uh, that we can see the fruit of God's kingdom produced through our lives. That's another way to say, you will, unless one is born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. To see the fruit of God's kingdom produced in our lives. Anybody want to see fruit of God's kingdom produced in your life? In your life, your daily life. Not a hopeful, wishful, one day, you know, when I get to heaven, uh, uh, you know, if it's God's will stuff, but, but a, a true faith and a true belief that I can see the fruit of God's kingdom operating through my life. In, in essence, what Jesus is saying is that by being born again, you now become a conduit for God's rule on the earth. By becoming born again, you now become a conduit. If you don't know what that means, I mean, let, me, let me help you out. Conduit means that something can flow through or work through it. Now, the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm honing hard on this because 
born again has mostly been centered around what do I get from God? But Jesus here is talking about being born again in the context of what do I do for God? Now that's, that's, that's the whole of the ball game. We, we just stepped it up. We, we just went to the big leagues. We just graduated from AAA and now we're, we're, we're in the show, man. We're in the big leagues now. We're talking about not just getting something from God, but doing something for God that Jesus was saying that uh, becoming born again allow, now allows God to work through you. And for so long, we, we've kept born again isolated in this box of what I get from God. And this is interesting. We think about born again getting us to somewhere, right? If I become born again, I can go where? To heaven. But I find it interesting that Nicodemus doesn't speak to where Jesus is going. He speaks to where Jesus came from. <laughs> Come on. Could our actions and our lifestyle as believers not just point to where I'm going one day when I die, but where I've come from and where I'm now bringing heaven to earth? We just change directions. That born again is not just getting me somewhere, but it's actually helping me bring somewhere to here right now. This is what Jesus is pointing out in this very simple conversation that, you know, those two words probably are, are some of the heaviest hitters in, in Christian theology today, in, in, in Christian churches, in, in Christianese, if you will. Got to be born again, born again, born again. That's the Chris, Christian terminology. We're coming up on Easter and the big push is Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins so that we could be born again. And we need to be born again. And he carries on in this conversation. But Jesus had a different meaning and a different emphasis for being born again than I think the, the modern church has adapted to. And, and, and sadly, we've, we've compromised for a counterfeit of born again, a substitute, if you will. But, but Jesus meant it to mean so much more. Now, he's confounding Nicodemus if you continue to read on here. Nicodemus is, you know, really getting perplexed. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. So the issue that Jesus is speaking to here along the lines of being born again, and everybody in this room, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm believing, and, and if you're not born again, we can take care of that tonight. And, and, and you'll be a step ahead of a lot of us because you'll have a full understanding of what it means to be born again. In fact, we may minister, minister this and somebody be like, I want to get born again all over again. I didn't get it right the first time. And it's not that you got it wrong. It's not about, it's not about 
the understanding at the time, it's about growing in truth and growing in knowledge. And I hope that I can expand your knowledge here to help you understand that being born again gives you access to a kingdom. Now, when we say the kingdom of God, when we say uh, the kingdom of heaven, what we mean by that is God's rule and God's authority. That's what we mean. God's rule and God's authority. Anytime you see the term, and Jesus used the term a lot, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. His very first message when he came into the earth was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is here. It's at hand. At hand means it's within reach. It's, it's right upon you. This kingdom that you've been hearing a lot about, it's right here, it's right now. And that's what Jesus's mission and ministry was all about, was restoring the kingdom back to the earth. I've used this example many times, but back in Genesis uh, chapter three, when man sinned, man voluntarily handed over the rulership and the dominion and the governing control of the earth. That's what happened in Genesis chapter 3. Man didn't lose access to heaven. Because for one, he was never in heaven. And, num and number two, he wasn't destined to go to heaven. Adam and Eve weren't wandering around the garden waiting for Jesus to come through the clouds saying, one day when we all get to heaven, what a glorious day that will be. They weren't looking for heaven. They were just busy with what was their assignment and their domain here because that's what was spoken in Genesis chapter 126. Let man uh, uh, be made in our image, in our likeness. Let them rule. That means have dominion, govern, control, subdue the earth, birds of the air, fish of the sea, and over all the earth. So man was in charge of the earth. And the serpent, the snake, the enemy comes in, twists God's word, gets Adam and Eve to sin. And when they did, when they sinned, they handed over the dominion and the authority of the earth to Satan. And so now Satan is the God and the ruler of this world. That's literally what happened there in Genesis chapter three. So man didn't lose heaven, they lost authority. Man didn't lose access to heaven. He lost his ability to, because see, the thing is, is if you don't remain under authority, you become removed from authority. I'll say that again. If you don't remain under authority, you'll be removed from authority. If you don't remain submitted to authority over you, you won't remain in authority over anything under you. I mean, try that in the United States Air Force. Try that in your job force. Try that in, in, in this world today. If you don't remain submitted under the authority that's over you, you won't remain in a position of authority that you're in. So Adam and Eve, they handed over the dominion, handed over the authority. And so God came through his son, Jesus, sent Jesus in the likeness of man, the word being made flesh dwelt among us to restore heaven, the kingdom of heaven. That was Jesus's entire ministry. That was his entire mission. If you look in Matthew chapter six, 
Matthew chapter 6. We're going somewhere, so just stick with me. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. In another passage, I believe it's over in Luke, where this account is given, the disciples actually asked Jesus, how do we pray? If I walked with Jesus, I'd be saying, how'd you do that walk on the water thing? That would make traveling a lot easier for me. How'd you heal that guy? How'd you, how'd you turn water into wine? You know what kind of business I could run if I could turn water into wine? <laughs> Teach me how you did that. But no, his disciples asked him what? Out of all the things they could have asked him to teach him how to do, they said, teach us how to pray. Why? Because they recognized that there was something about his prayer life that allowed him to do all those miracles. And so they, they said, man, you got to teach us this prayer stuff. And prayer wasn't even new, right? What did he say about the Pharisees? Oh, they know how to pray. They've seen people pray. The religious leaders pray, and they pray loud, boastful prayers on the corner of the street where everyone can hear them. But they recognize Jesus gets his answers. <laughs> These guys are praying and wailing and doing all the stuff they're doing, but they're not getting any results. This guy gets results. So teach us how you pray. And so this is what Jesus says. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And look what he says. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will up there in, in, heavenly, in, in, in a heavenly realm, in a heavenly place where you exist, where, where you reign, right? God reigns in heaven. Where you reign, your will that's up there, let it be done down here on earth as it is in heaven. And so this was the emphasis behind Jesus's ministry and Jesus's uh, 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 mission on earth. When he says your kingdom come, he's saying your way, your desire, your reign, your rule. He's saying your purpose, your intentions, Right? That's what a will is. Your will, that means your intentions. What do you want to have done in the earth? That's what we want to see done. That's what Jesus is saying there. In Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, again, just speaking to this point of being born again, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, chapter 1. I actually want to read this to you in the Amplified, but uh, you can uh, note it down there, follow along with us and what you have. But here in, in the Amplified, it says, so that you will walk, uh, verse 10, Colossians 1, verse 10, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, displaying admirable character, moral courage, and personal integrity to fully please him in all things. I want to please the Lord in all things. How about you? I'm thankful that God loves me. Absolutely. He loves me 
unconditionally. He, you know, all you have to do to qualify for John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, all you have to do is breathe. All you have to do is exist in this world and you have God's love. He loves the sinner. He loves the saint. He loves the one that's in his perfect, holy, pleasing, acceptable will. And he loves the one that might be wandering off. He loves you. He loves you more than you'll ever know. And he loved you so much that he even sent his son as, as a remission and, and an opportunity to restore you before without any guarantee. There's not a whole lot I will do without a guarantee of getting something in return. But God sent his son Jesus without any guarantee that you would even accept it. And a lot won't. That's the love of God. We could preach every day for the rest of this year just on the love of God and not even, not even cover it all. That's how great the love of the Father is. But now Paul is taking us a step further. He says, not only do you want to be loved by God, but you want God to be pleased with you. Now, I love Camden. There's nothing Camden could ever do in his lifetime. I don't care how strung out he gets. I don't care what he does. I don't care you know, what decisions he makes. I will always love him but I may not always be pleased with him. Pleasure in what he does and out of his life is different. And you don't have to work that hard at it. God isn't making it difficult to follow him. God isn't making it difficult to live for him. God isn't you know, dangling a carrot and backing up and saying, come get it, come get it. He wants you to walk in his will and in his purpose and in his design for your life fully pleasing him, Paul says, in all things, bearing fruit in every good work, steadily growing in the knowledge of, of God with deeper faith, clearer insight, fervent love for his what? His precepts. We pray that you may be strengthened and invigorated with all power according to his glorious might to attain every kind of endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has what? Qualified us. You're qualified. You're not unqualified. You're fit for the mission at hand. You're fit for the job at hand. If he called you, guess what? He has anointed you. God anoints who he appoints. And he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Come on now. Somebody rejoice with me that you may not have it all together and he can still use it for his glory. Somebody get excited with me that even in, in, my, in my imperfections, in my weakness, he's made strong. That's what grace is all about. Grace is his empowerment in my life. Not my little, not my ability to just slouch. Oh, thank God for the grace. Oh, I'm under grace. No, he's saying, I've given you grace. Get up. I'm here to empower you to live the kingdom life. That's grace. He's qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints, God's people in the light, for he has rescued us and has drawn us to himself from the dominion of darkness and has transferred us, man, what an awesome word, to what? To the kingdom of his beloved son. This is what happens when we are born again. Salvation, 
but born again is my entrance into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is his way of doing things, his rule in his reign. So in essence, what we're saying when you become born again is you've just now stepped over into a new way of doing things. A new way of doing things. When you get that, that, that word transferred that is used there, Paul was, was very specific in the word that he chose there. And that was the word that carries the connotation of being brought out of slavery in one nation and being made a citizen in another nation. I'll say that again. The word transferred there in, in that passage that Paul used carries the connotation of coming out of slavery in one nation and being brought into citizenship in a new nation. Not slave to slave. Not slave, I don't get to choose any. You know that when you're living for the devil, you're not just doing what you want to do. You're a slave to sin, Paul said. You, he, 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 he will let you think you chose to do that. He will let you think that. He'll let you think you chose to cuss, he didn't steal, and, and, and do all the things we did in darkness. And he'll let you think that, but you were under his rule. You were under his, you had no choice. Sin was your, was your life. But now in the kingdom of God, he doesn't rule you by forcing you. God rules by giving you the choice as a citizen. But as a citizen in this kingdom, this is how we do things over here. You ever had someone tell you that before? Now, this is how we do things here. Maybe you get a new job or, you know, uh, uh, move to a new place. Well, this is how we do things. I remember one time, you know, I'm a city boy, man. I'm, I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Probably got, you know, I don't know now what the statistics are, probably at least 10 to 15 million people in the Metroplex. I mean, it's, it's a lot different than Valdosta, Georgia or St. Augustine, Florida. And I remember when I first moved to St. Augustine, I had a hard time adjusting to the driving patterns. Everybody drives the speed limit. Hey, can you imagine that? People actually driving the number posted on that sign. I thought that was a suggestion. We recommend you drive 55 miles an hour, but, you know, whatever gets you there quicker. And I paid a heavy price when I first moved there. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Two hours in the penitentiary, the jail. We're driving 90 and a 45. And that's just because that's as fast as that truck, that little thing would get. I had it to the floor at 530 in the morning racing to get to work. And I wasn't even late. That's the funny part. I was actually ahead of schedule. But that's just, I, I had to have it taken out of me. We don't do, that's not how we drive around here. We, over here, we do things differently. Because they will let, I'm, I'm not even kidding you. I have a, 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 one of my best friends from high school is a cop. And he says he watches people do that all the time. He says, well, if they wreck, they die. That's on them. I don't got time to waste on that. I'm, we got other serious issues going on. So my years of getting away with it in Fort Worth, Texas, caught up with me in San Augustine, Florida, and I learned real quick, that's not how we do things around here. Well, you know, when you get transferred, 
out of darkness into light. We got to learn how to do things in the kingdom of God. This is the thing about the kingdom of God. Your access to everything that God has will always go through lordship. Your access to everything that God has in the kingdom of God will always go through lordship. There is nothing you can receive from God by subverting it and going around, not not fully committing to the lordship of Jesus Christ. You got to hear me now because born again has been more about where I'm going and not what I'm becoming. But when I become born again, I'm taking on a a new life. I'm entering new territory, exciting territory, the promised land, the things that God has in store for me. I just heard someone this past week say, you know, you need to quit calling heaven your promised land. The promised land in the Old Testament is not a picture of heaven because there are no battles to fight in heaven. The promised land is right here on earth. We access our promised land here, but when you access the promised land, there's a new way of living. There's a new way of doing things. There's a, there, there's a coming out of the old, coming into the new, right? Second Corinthians 5, 17 tells us that we are, God makes all things new. Anybody glad that he has made all things new? All the junk, all the vocabulary, all the actions, all the temptations, all that stuff is just It's done away under the blood of Jesus. But now I have to conform this outward shell. You ever notice that this outward shell becomes patterned to things? I just heard Robert say tonight, he's not a morning person. I used to not be a morning person. I didn't even know what morning was. I slept through it. I'm not kidding. Go to bed at four o'clock, wake up at at 12 or one o'clock, eat lunch. I went years without breakfast. I did just fine. But I learned to pattern myself because when I got to St. Augustine, Florida and I lived in Pastor Earl's house, he said, that's not how we do things around here. I learned real quick that there were hours between 8 and 12 a.m. There was an a.m. I didn't even know there was an a.m. My a.m. was from 12 a.m. to 6 a.m. I learned real quick, there's a new way. I learned to what? Pattern myself, practice the things of where I was at. And that was my choice. Lordship is always your choice. It's not force ship, it's lordship. And when you make Jesus Lord of your life, that means I'm submitting my agenda, my plans, my ideas, my will, my motives, my intentions, my actions, my vocabulary. I'm submitting all, every, lordship literally means supreme in authority. That's literally what lordship means. When it says that Jesus is Lord, it means that he is supreme in authority. He owns it all. Everything. Everything belongs to him. And I want to encourage you today. You want him to own everything. You want him to own everything. You want him to be the owner. 
You want him to be the operator. You want him to be. And I'm not talking Jesus take the wheel stuff. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking. They're not talking Jesus, my hands are off the wheel. No, it means that I now execute the plan of God and I implement the kingdom of God and I produce the fruit of God, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in everything that I do. That now my life, my actions, my decisions, my choices follow God, what are you saying? What does your word say? What, you're, you're Lord now. You're Lord. Oh, how, how should I treat my spouse? Oh, how, how should I parent my kids? Uh, what, 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 what should I do with my time? What should I do with my finances? You never have to uh, urge or beg someone to do something that they recognize Jesus is Lord over. You never have to urge or beg. We're teaching Camden right now about tithing. He's, been, he's done a, an, an excellent job saving his money. We, he, he had a goal in mind, this little watch thing. I don't know where he gets the tech geek gadget you know, thing from. I don't know where he gets that from. Uh, but what time, where are we at? Um, I'm just playing. He gets it from me. And uh, so he's, he's had his eye on this, this watch, I don't know, $75 or whatever it is. And, and we said, well, you know, you, you, you can save your money. You're old enough now. You know how to save your money. And, um, uh, and so he's gotten all kinds of, I mean, really, I think since Christmas. And then his birthday. And then broke his arm. Bring on the cash. I don't get any ideas. In fact, that ought to be your deductible for breaking your arm. Don't get any ideas. Don't start breaking other stuff. Look at all the cash coming in. But he, he raised the amount. And so we said, okay, uh, let's say it's $75. And, and so we said, all right, 10% goes to, goes to the Lord, goes to God. What? You, you mean I have to give this? To God, what does he need it for? Uh, you know, just all the questions that, you know, childlike faith, man. You got to answer those questions. No, 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 you don't understand. God gave me this money and he wants me to have this watch. And so he doesn't want me to have to give my money to him. I said, that's the little portion that he, uh, uh, that, that, you're, that, that he's asking for. That's just the, the small, you get to keep, I don't know what, $68.50 or what, you know, $67.50. You still get to keep. And so we're teaching them about tithing. So we got to talk to them last night. Which do you love more? You love the things that God gives you or do you love the God that gives you the things? Oh, I, I, I love God. I don't love a watch more than God. Okay, this is how we show God that we love him, but we honor his commands. But you never have to beg or urge. You gotta teach. But when someone recognizes he's Lord, when someone has a, a, a full recognition of the Lordship of Jesus, you don't have to beg them to do the things of God. It comes out of them and says, I want to honor you in this principle. I want to honor you in, in, in this practice. I mean, that's the way our church is with money. You hear me very rarely preach on money 
and de- I'm definitely not promising you, you know, holy water from, from the Middle East or, you know, this is sand that Jesus walked in. For any, any, any donation size, you get a tube of, of sand. You, you see those people that do the kind of stuff to try to urge people to, to give. You don't have to do that for people that recognize, man, he's Lord. And he owns all this stuff anyways. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all that dwells there uh, within it, uh, Psalms chapter 24. We recognize that he is the Lord. So becoming born again brings me into the kingdom of God. You can't even see the kingdom of God. And then as a result, the signs and the wonders and the authority and, and, the, and, and the way of doing things in the kingdom follows you. And then people will stop asking, where are you going when you die? And they'll start saying, where did you get that from? Where did that come from? We see all this stuff you're doing. Where did you get that? How how did you do this? How come come when you prayed, you you received the answer to that? We've been believing that for years. How come you're always at, at peace, even when storms are coming or even when you got challenges in your life? Because we know that following God doesn't promise us the path of least resistance. Anybody found that out yet? Okay, I prayed. Now I need, where's that whole, you know, the, the, the quickest, you know, way to get from one point to the other is a straight line. Where's that? Where's the path of least, where's the easy route? Holy Spirit. Where's the easy button? No, it doesn't promise easy, but he does promise you'll get through. He does promise you'll endure. He does promise that his strength will come alongside you and empower you. He does promise that. Yeah, there's promises in in this word and the promises of God's word are contingent on the lordship of Jesus Christ. We want Jesus to be Lord of our lives. We want Jesus to, to not just be the, the you know, th- does God always have to overlook all of our mess to, so that we can convince him that we deserve what his word has already promised us? No. It says that I should be able to come boldly before the throne of grace. You know what that means to go boldly? Not, oh, oh God, if you only knew. Oh, God, please. please. I've heard people, every time they open a prayer, they're, they're, they're literally just dumping and heaping. It's just a position of, I'm not worthy. And that's not how God sees us at all. Man, if we could see ourselves the way God sees us. He doesn't see you condemned. What did he say to that woman that was caught in the act of adultery? He said, I don't accuse you. Now he still had a a lordship over her. Now go and what? Sin no more. There's a way of doing things in, in, in my kingdom, but I don't accuse you. Because accusation is not a part of God's kingdom. Later on in John chapter 3, if you keep on reading past for God so loved, he says in the very next verse, for the son of God did not send his son to condemn the world. In fact, you're already condemned. 
I came to get you out of condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That's not a part of God's kingdom. Condemnation is not even in his vocabulary. You have to teach God what condemnation is. Hello? That's not how he operates. I'm sorry if that was an experience for you with a, with, a, with a Christian or with a church. You know, people that sometimes, you know, they have good intentions, but horrible execution. But I'm here to tell you today that God isn't in the condemning business. He's not in the dumbing down business. He's in the raising you up business, seated at the right hand of the father business, raised with Christ, seated with Christ. That's what God's into. Look at the encouragement that Paul has given the church. Look at the encouragement that God has given. And these are newly formed believers. They, they don't even have access to what we have access to. And, and, and he's trying to build up, encourage, edify the body of Christ. We're not saying that you can just live however you want. Absolutely not. You come into the kingdom, you become born again. You've got to submit your life to the Lordship of Christ. But when you do, man, it's the best thing on the planet. He's trying to help Nicodemus see here. Yeah, the stuff you see in my life, he's trying to help him see. You can get it too. Man, if you would just become born again, born of the water, born of the spirit, you can enter. If he says you can't unless you're born again, then what he's saying is, is you can if you're born again. We're born again. We're born again believers. And we need to be walking in the blessings of the kingdom of God. And the blessings of the kingdom of God follow the lordship of Jesus Christ. When he becomes Lord, when we give him access, when we give him ownership, when we give him full reign in our lives, and we're not holding anything back. Look, he didn't hold anything back from you. Think about it. Man, if we would just sit for five minutes and be still and just think on the price that God paid through his son, Jesus. If you would just think about the beating he took, the stripes on his back, his crucifixion. I mean, you just sit there and just, it would boggle your mind how, you, how he even lets you have breath in your lungs right now. But then you find out that he did all that because he knows the greatness that is within you. Because he knows the purpose that is on your life. Because he knows that if you would become born again, you'll become a conduit for the kingdom. You'll be empowered with the kingdom of God. You'll begin to share the love of God with other people that are far from God. God doesn't see you as the end. He sees you as the beginning. He says, got him. Now, I, now that person can influence that person. And that person can influence that person. And think about the spheres of influence sitting in this room room right now on a midweek Wednesday night service in Valdosta, Georgia. And if this circle would go out with that empowerment, what would we see for the kingdom of God? Because that's what he sees. That's what he sees. He's such a good God. He hasn't given up on us. He's not mad. He hasn't given up on you. He says, I'm just getting started. He said, let me be Lord. 
oh man, he's just, he's sitting on the edge of his seat saying, man, if they'll just make, if they'll just make me Lord, what I could do with that. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaith.austin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.